Over the next four weeks, I, I want to share something that God has been ingraining into my heart out of a bit of a burden that I have, and that burden is uh, for God's church to come to that point of representing God in the world in the way that God would have it, that the church would truly be the church, not a weak, anemic Sunday thing, but a full-time powerful organism in, the, in the, the world that would change the world. And so uh, what I would like to focus on for the next four weeks is revealing hidden things. Revealing hidden things. There's, there's something powerful about uh, finding something that's hidden. And uh, when we think of positive things that are hidden, uh, prospectors... I see Mike shaking his head like he could have been a prospector in a previous life or something like that. Uh, a prospector seeking gold or oil or something like that. Treasure hunters seeking wealth that may have sunk to the bottom of the sea. And, and there's a great excitement when we, we think about finding something very positive. And uh, a few months ago, around Easter time at our church, I attend uh, 316 Wesleyan, uh, we had an Easter egg hunt. Who likes Easter egg hunts? Oh, yes. I was out there. It was great. And knocking kids to the side to get to those Easter eggs. Uh, but it was just so exciting to see the look on their face as they were looking through the bushes and they'd find an Easter egg. And they were so excited. And then they'd go and find another Easter egg. So there's something great about finding something positive. But there are also negative things that we discover in life that don't seem very positive, but... When we think about them in a particular light, they can be very positive. <clears throat> a number of years ago in our previous home, Glenna said to me one morning, the paint on the frame around the back door is bubbling. And so uh, being a, not a handyman at all, I went up and I pushed my finger through it and just went straight through and there were termites there. Uh, and so there were various places in our house where, hidden away, unbeknown to us until we saw that little bit of a bubbling on the wood, there were termites. And, and it wasn't exciting, I can tell you. There was fear and trepidation as we got termite inspectors in to look at the building to see uh, what we could do and uh, we were able to fix it up. So we're going to be looking at a variety of hidden things over the next four weeks and if these hidden things are brought out of hiding, they can stimulate our growth as Christians, but if they remain hidden away in our life, they can inhibit our growth as Christians. Things that are hidden, maybe nobody else knows about, but we know about. And sometimes things are so deeply hidden in our heart that we are not even aware of it. And today we're going to be starting off by looking at hidden sins. And uh, as I spent time preparing these messages, the Spirit of God was speaking to my heart, saying, these are the things that are stopping my people from reaching their full potential in God. And so we want to deal with these things. Sometimes they are uncomfortable, but we need to deal with them if we're going to grow as Christians. We're going to be reading this morning from Joshua 7, 
19 to 25, and it's probably a fairly familiar story, a little bit of the background. Joshua and the people of God were going into the promised land, and God said, I want you to take the city of Jericho. But when you go in there, pardon me, I don't want you to take any of the gold, the silver, the treasures. That's to be left for God's house, destroy everything else. And as they went into the city, they did that, all except for one man, Achan, who took some of the silver and gold and a beautiful Babylonian garment. And then as they moved on and they moved to the second city of Ai, they were soundly defeated there. And so Joshua falls down in prayer to God. And God says, get up, stop praying. Imagine God saying, stop praying. (laughs) Stop praying. There's things to be dealt with here. There's sin in the camp that needs to be dealt with. And so as he goes through a particular process, he discovers that Achan is the source of the problem. And I want to take it up there in in Joshua 7, 19 to 25. Then Joshua said to Achan, My son, give glory to the Lord God of Israel and give praise to him. And tell me now what you have done and do not hide it from me. And Achan answered Joshua, Truly I have sinned against the Lord God of Israel and this is what I did. When I saw among the spoil a beautiful cloak from Shinar and 200 shekels, which is about 2.3 kilos of silver, and a bar of gold weighing 50 shekels, about 575 grams, then I coveted them and I took them. And see, they are hidden in the earth inside my tent with the silver underneath. So Joshua sent messengers and they ran to the tent. And behold, it was hidden in his tent with the silver underneath. And they took them out of the tent and they brought them to Joshua and to all the people of Israel. And they laid them down before the Lord. And Joshua and all Israel with him took Achan, the son of Zerah, and the silver and the cloak and the bar of gold and his sons and daughters, his oxen, his donkeys, his sheep, his tent, and all that he had. And they brought them up to the valley of Achor. And Joshua said, why did you bring this trouble on us? The Lord brings trouble on you today. And all Israel stoned him with stones and they burnt them with fire and they stoned them with stones. That is a very sobering story. There is so much in this. You could preach four messages or more just on this one section of scripture. But I want to focus in on this concept of of hiding The natural reaction to sin in our life is to want to hide it. And if we go back to Genesis chapter 3, verse 7, we find there are two types of hiding that take place when sin comes into our life. And the first is that we hide from one another. And we see Adam and Eve in the garden, and they commit this sin of taking the fruit that God says, don't touch that, don't eat that. And as soon as they do, they feel shame and guilt. And even though they were naked before that sin, they were covered with the glory of God and didn't have a sense that that nakedness was a foul, corrupt thing. But afterwards they did. And so they took fig leaves and they sewed them together to hide from each other. And humanity has been doing that ever since sin entered the world. We hide from each other. Pretty much like wearing masks all the time, isn't it? We hide. I was going to say this morning, it's good to see you, but 
I don't recognise too many people behind the masks. And so we cover up from each other. We hide who we truly are for fear of rejection from people. But then there's a second type of hiding that takes place. Not only do they hide from each other with fig leaves, but when they hear God walking in the garden in the cool of the evening, they hide from God amongst the trees of the garden. A human inclination to want to hide our sins because we feel guilt and shame. And this morning I want to focus on two questions. What are the consequences of not dealing with hidden sin? And then secondly, how should we deal with hidden sin? Firstly, what are the consequences? There are consequences for sin. You know, we live in a world that doesn't want to talk about sin. It's just a condition, it's just a fault, it's just a, uh, a whatever, but it's not sin. And we don't even talk about sin in the church anymore. And yet the primary way to get back to God is to repent from sin. Not to repent from a weakness that I might have or a sickness I might have, but to repent from sin and to believe in Jesus Christ, our Saviour and our Lord. And that's how we get back in and keep a relationship with God. So what are the consequences? There are many, but I want to highlight two from the story this morning of Achan. Number one, we will not be successful in the things of God's kingdom. Joshua 7, 11 to 12 says, The Lord said to Joshua when he was praying and saying, Why have we been defeated? The Lord said to him, Israel has sinned. Therefore... And when you see a therefore, you need to find out what it's there for. That's important. Therefore, the children of Israel could not stand before their enemies. They could not go in to possess their destiny that God had set aside for them. The promised land. This was God's covenant, God's promise to them. They couldn't be successful in the things of God because of sin in their life. The amazing thing about Achan, he may have been double-minded in his thinking here. He was probably thinking, under the floor of my tent, there's gold, there's silver, there's a beautiful cloak. I'm rich. I've got worldly riches. And yet at the same time, he didn't see his spiritual poverty. And he was focusing on one thing, not seeing the other thing. And it was having an influence on his destiny. Proverbs 28.13 says, If you hide your sins, you will not succeed. And so as Christians, there's a strong word there for us. We have to deal with the sins in our life, especially the hidden sins that are in our heart, that maybe nobody else knows about. The second consequence that we find in this story is not only will we not be successful in the things of God, but our fellowship with God and his presence in our life will not be there. Going back to that verse in Joshua 7, 11 to 12, Israel has sinned. <clears throat> Therefore the children of Israel could not stand before their enemies. And then it goes on, neither will I be with you anymore unless you destroy 
the devoted things from among you. And so God is saying, there's a way out of this. This message is not meant to be depressing. It's meant to bring freedom, to have chains fall off our heart as we look at the sin that potentially can be there and we bring it out into the open. And so we find here God saying, I won't be with you. If you wish to walk in sin, you go, but I will not actively be involved in your life from this moment till you destroy that thing, until you deal with the sin. Psalm 66, 18 says, If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. That's right in your face, isn't it? If we have iniquity and sin in our heart, it could be unforgiveness. So easy to hold on to. God says, I will not hear you. If you know you have something, a problem with a brother or sister, leave your gift at the altar, then go and reconcile yourself to your brother or sister, then come and give your gift. And so this issue of sin in our life that the world wants to downplay and not talk about because there's one thing we don't want to do, is it? Offend anybody. Well, let me tell you, I'm here to offend. The message of the gospel is offensive. When the message said, you are a sinner in need of salvation. That is offensive to people. And I've heard people say, no, most people are really nice. They're good people. They've got a good heart. Read what the Bible says. The heart is desperately sick. The heart deceives us. Self-deception is rampant. We think we're okay, both outside the church and inside the church. And yet God is saying, deal with the sin. Not only is repentance from sin how we come into relationship with God, but the ongoing dealing with the sin that's in our life is how we keep the intimacy and the fellowship with God. Yes, when we sin as Christians, our relationship with God stays the same, but our fellowship with God can be broken. God says, I will not be with you in that active sense. So how should we deal with sins that are hidden in our life? Well, there are three sub-points here that are so important if we're going to deal with this. And this can, I know when I was putting this together over the last two months, I was squirming on my seat. And I was thinking, oh, is there any unforgiveness there, Lord? <laughs> is there something in my heart that you want to deal with? I mean, if, if you want me to speak this message, then the message is for me first. So I've, I've preached it in the mirror before I've preached it to you. I think I've preached it half a dozen times in the shower. Maybe it makes it a bit cleaner or something, I don't know. But as God's people, we have to learn to deal with the sin in our life and keep short accounts with God. So the first thing that we need to do in terms of dealing with hidden sins is to realise that our sins are not hidden from God, and we will give an account to God for how we've lived our life. Hebrews 4.13, no creature is hidden from his sight. Now, when Adam and Eve were hiding in the trees, maybe they were whispering, saying, I don't, I don't think he can see us here. <laughs> 
God knew exactly where they were and his question, where are you, was not a question to elicit a, a geographical location. It was to give an opportunity for repentance. To say, here we are, we, we've sinned, Lord. God knows every part of us. No creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. Even if no one else knows, God knows. And maybe we could think, well, I'm going to run from God. Maybe do a Jonah. Get on a ship and go to Tarshish and think, I think I can escape here. Look, what that person did to me that hurt me, that has caused unforgiveness in my heart, I mean, it's justifiable. I mean, God can't ask me to forgive them. They're rotten people. I ministered with a couple a number of years ago and I said, we need to repent. There needs to be repentance here, forgiveness of what that person did. And one of the the people said to me, oh, you can't just conjure up forgiveness. It's not about how we feel. It's a decision we make. It's a decision that says, even if I don't feel like forgiving you, I forgive you. And maybe we take that back and we need to say, God, yes, I do forgive. (laughs) I I stand with that decision again. You know, what Claire was talking about, the commitment at the camp. I, I stand with that commitment, with that decision. And then our emotions will come into line with that. It may take time. But when we forgive in our heart, We're the ones that are set free. So we need to think about that, that our sins are not hidden from God. Secondly, we need to accept God's determination of what constitutes sin. Confession requires that we first agree with God that we've sinned. And we read Joshua 7.20, Achan said, Indeed, I have sinned against the Lord God of Israel. So there was firstly a recognition that what he'd done was sin. And maybe originally he thought to himself, oh, look, it's not really sin. It's like a little white lie. It won't really matter. Look, there's so much gold to go into God's house. I'll just take this little bar of gold and a little bit of silver and this little cloak and I'll put it on and, and you know, it, it'll be fine. It's not really sin. So what is sin? Well, 1 John 3, 4 says, everyone who sins is breaking God's law. For all sin is contrary to the law of God. So sin relates to, in some way, God's law, but not law as people might define it. Because people have tried to remove or dilute God's law in many ways. And one of the key ways that I see in the world today is renaming sin to remove any stigma or sense of negativity we try and make sin a little more acceptable when we we change how we talk about it and so I I went on a bit of an excursion and I I tried to find out the history of the development of the idea of prostitution and so uh, when I say to you the word this morning prostitute that may carry some connotation that's offensive to say oh that's not a very good thing or if I said the word harlot to you this morning you might be shocked you might have been just dozing off then and I've woken you up 
Um, and I say those words, they carry with them a negative connotation in some way. So when those words were used of people who were in that profession, then we understood uh, what was being communicated. But the world moves towards making the impact of those words a little less impacting on us um, when we move towards, for example, the word hooker. Now, we, we know what that word means. We know what that, it's, it's a prostitute. It's a hooker. Did you know that word hooker came into being uh, for the group of women who would follow General Hooker's troops around during the Civil War and satisfy their sexual need? It just, just developed in that context. But then as you go down through history, the terminology changes again and we hear terms like call girl or escort or sex worker. And I'm sorry if this is a little bit shocking, but sometimes we need to feel the impact of the changes that take place here. And there's a process where we rename sin which seems to sanitise it. Is there anybody in the room here who doesn't know what sanitizer is about? Everywhere you go, hand sanitizer. And what are we trying to do? We're trying to remove the germs. And so those who are renaming things that God says this is sin are trying to sanitize or remove the germs. And, and I love it. You read on the bottle, this kills 99.9% .9 of germs. And I'm always thinking, what if it's that 0.1% that gets me? You know, it, it's out there. Maybe if I use it twice, does that mean it kills that final 1% or is it 100% of that 0.1%? I never know. But we look and we see the, the sanitization of sin in order to normalize it and make it legitimate in the world and thus sin becomes acceptable. And say, well, you can't talk about those things. But we see the intentional nature. I came across a a fairly interesting article on a website called Live Action. And that the head of the article was, the abortion industry hopes renaming abortion will win over voters. I'll just read you a little bit of the article here. As the debate over abortion rages, the abortion industry continues to switch its marketing strategies in order to win support. From pro-choice to reproductive health care to reproductive rights, pro-abortion organisations have always found a way to desensitise people to abortion in an attempt to not only normalise it or make it normal in the world, but make it appear to be a right and a necessity. Now a major pro-abortion organisation has announced its new marketing term in hopes of winning moderate voters. And according to Vice News, pro-choice pro America has said that in order to win over voters who consider themselves personally pro-life, they will begin using the term reproductive freedom. So we don't use the word abortion because it, it smacks of killing babies, of killing a person. And so we, we're going to talk about something called reproductive freedom. And the world does that in so many different areas, changes the name of things in order to make us think, oh, that, that sounds fairly normal. That sounds like a good thing. And so we don't even think about challenging that idea. 
And they do that with sin. I came across a humorous article, a bit of tongue-in-cheek from uh, a gentleman who was talking about being politically correct. So we all have to be politically correct. Fat chance. No way. Don't do it. And he talks about we can't use the word ignorant anymore. We've just got to say that people are factually unencumbered. (laughs) So you're not burdened down with facts anymore, but you can't say they're ignorant. You can't call anyone a loser anymore. They are a uniquely destined individual on an alternative career path. (laughs) We don't want to give offence. We've got to tolerate everything. And yet if you read in the book of Revelation, God says, I have this against you that you tolerate Jezebel in your midst. So God is not tolerant of sin, tolerant of those who would even be in the church and do the wrong thing. God calls us to deal with sin. So my final point in this, how do we or how should we deal with hidden sins? Confess our sins and thereby disempower them. It's not nuclear science. It's not physics of great dimensions. 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. God expects us to deal with our hidden sins by confessing them to him. That may not be necessarily something we talk about with other people. Maybe if it deals with somebody else, we need to go and ask forgiveness, to grant forgiveness. But to bring out of the darkness those things hidden in our heart, the iniquity that can be there that stops us from growing. And the power of that thing. We look at the story, as I said, there's so much in this story. Not only did Achan's sin affect Achan, it affected his family. And it affected the whole nation who was defeated at the next city of Ai. So our personal hidden sins not only affect us, they affect our church, they affect our family around us. So we need to deal with these things to bring them out into the open. And it says here that God takes two actions when we do that. Number one... God forgives us. And that's an objective thing. That's a legal pronouncement that a judge would make after he's heard all the evidence and he says, I find the defendant not guilty. And that's a legal pronouncement. But there's a second thing we find here. Not only are we forgiven, but we're cleansed from all unrighteousness. And this cleansing is a personal heart transformation that the guilt that Adam and Eve felt when they sinned the guilt that we feel the shame that we feel when we sin God washes that away and cleanses that out of our heart Hebrews 10:22 says let us draw near to God with a true heart in full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience Because when we sin, our conscience within us disturbs us and says, you've done the wrong thing. It's a God-given faculty within so that we can keep in step with God and deal with those things that are offensive to God. The confession brings sin into the light 
and thereby robs it of its power to block our fellowship with God and to cause a guilty conscience within. So we can live the life that God wants us to live. We can reach the potential that God wants us to reach. I want to draw this to a conclusion with a promise from God and then a prayer to God. And the promise from God is Proverbs 28, 13. I read the first part of that earlier, which says, if you hide your sins, you will not succeed. If you confess and reject them, you will receive mercy. You will receive mercy. Mercy from God. He will forgive. He will legally pronounce forgiveness over us and he will cleanse us from the guilt and the shame. He will heal and bind up the brokenhearted so that we can continue to walk with him. <clears throat> the prayer of David from Psalm 139, 23 to 24. And maybe this can be our prayer this morning. I want to lead us in prayer in a moment. So I believe God wants to break chains off hearts this morning. That's the great thing when we come to our Father in heaven. There's no condemnation. It's a question that says, where are you? Where are you this morning? Ah, oh, you've got that thing in your heart. Well, let's deal with that. You talk to me about it. You confess it. You, you reject it. And I'll give mercy to you. I'll give cleansing and healing. And I'll bind up your heart. And yes, look, some things are so deeply embedded in our heart and so hidden away that it takes times uh, to, to deal with that, to come back to God again and say, God, there's still that thing that, okay, son, it's okay. And God is a great God of, of not only second chances, but I've found uh, third chances and fourth chances and fifth chances. He calls us back to himself out of love. Psalm 139, 23 to 24, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Now, I would have loved to have given the opportunity this morning to have folk come for prayer. I've got some friends, John and Ros, who've come, and I know you have a ministry team here, but we're not allowed to because of COVID. But I'd like to lead us in prayer, and maybe you can um, merge your thoughts with my prayer this morning. And if there's something there that the Spirit of God may have touched your heart about, there's the call this morning, where are you, to come into freedom. It's not condemnation. It's the removal of hidden sins, bringing them into the light so that we can grow as God's people. So would you join me in prayer? Loving Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning knowing that there is no condemnation but a loving call to be reconciled with you to have our hearts uh, cleansed from any shame or guilt there an evil conscience father i pray this morning uh, for us as your people gathered here and those who may be at home even right now father god i pray that if there's something that you put your finger on during this message maybe unforgiveness it may be something of that nature that we need to deal with. It could be some sin that we, we've committed that we need to um, confess to you and reject it and, and walk away from. Father, I pray right now by your Holy Spirit that you would minister to our hearts. Father God, that you would minister to the hearts of those who are, are listening even right now. 
It's not just about hearing the word, but it's about taking the action that receives mercy from God. Father, speak to to hearts even right now. Let that ministry go deep into those dark areas, Father God, that sometimes we feel such shame about and guilt about. And yet, Father God, I I know that even right now your your mercy surrounds us. You you call us to yourself to receive uh, what you would give to bring us to greater freedom. Lord, bind up our hearts this morning uh, from the, the hurt that we've suffered from having hidden sin there, Father God. Your mercies are new every morning. And right now we come to the throne. We stand before your throne, Father. We ask for mercy. We acknowledge our sins before you and, and ask you to forgive us. And we confess them and, and we receive your mercy this morning, Father God. And thank you that our fellowship is restored with you and we can move ahead into possessing the land that you have for us. We don't have to be defeated by the enemies around us. Father God, let your spirit minister to us even right now. We just take a moment of just of quietness before God and, and just to make accounts with our God. just that verse that says there'll be times of refreshment that come from the hand of our God we receive that Father and just the refreshment that you give to each one of us in the precious name of Jesus Jesus